Lily Flag Signal, Episode 2. Who was Bessie Russell? Behind the scenes at the Maple Hill Cemetery Stroll. Hello and welcome. My name is Bessie King Russell, and I was born here in Huntsville in 1895. I spent almost all of my life here in the Madison County area, but I did attend college in Nashville to learn to teach. I then returned here to Huntsville and used this as my home base while teaching in rural communities at what one could generously refer to as one-room schoolhouses. They weren't necessarily intended as schools, though, as many of these buildings were makeshift educational areas, such as an old log cabin filled with benches or, as was the case in Greenbrier, the back room of the blacksmith's house. I'd have 20 or so students at a time, ranging in age from 1st to 12th grade, meaning I was responsible for teaching all the subjects for all grade levels. I wasn't yet married, and because these teaching engagements were in rural areas, I would stay in boarding houses or the spare rooms of local families, returning to Huntsville every few weeks to visit with my friends and family. The story goes that at one of these boarding houses, a bit south of here in Farley, I heard a fight breaking out on the lawn of my boarding house. Thankfully, it was not my students. That's every teacher's fear that the disruption is being caused by their students. But after asking around, I learned that the two men were in fact the town doctor and preacher. Later that week, I was introduced to the doctor at a dinner. His name was Christopher Russell, and I suppose he made up for that bad first impression of fighting my lawn because we were married in February of 1920. We moved back to Huntsville and had one son, Christopher Russell Jr., and my husband continued his work as a physician until his death in 1950. I eventually went back to teaching, including in West Huntsville in the Mill Village Area School, where I got to witness firsthand the impact compulsory education and child labor laws had on the community. Prior to these laws, it was common for the mills to hire children, as they worked for cheaper wages than adults and could fit their hands into small spaces such as to clean lint from an industrial sewing machine. In the 1910s, Alabama began requiring children to attend school a certain number of days per year, and in the early 20s, I saw this take effect firsthand. I left work on a Friday with a class of 30 students and returned on Monday to a class of 80. That was 50 students added to one classroom, so you can imagine how many children were working in industrial environments throughout the city at the time. Not all of these students were thrilled to be in school, however. Why do I have to come here? Why must you lecture at us? What do you mean I have to do homework? I hate this. This was a large change in their lives, but we worked it out. There's a story told of how I called the class bully to the front of the class once for discipline, and nearly every student volunteered to be the one to paddle him. It said that his grandmother came to the school later and thanked me in front of the class for teaching him about respect. As much as I loved working in West Huntsville, I eventually moved to teach closer to my home on Randolph, beginning a career at East Clinton Elementary. The building still stands, just a few blocks west of the cemetery, and it's now Providence Classical School. I taught there from the mid-1920s until 1965 when I retired. Throughout that time, a lot happened both societally, such as with Huntsville schools beginning desegregation in 1963, and in my own life. As I mentioned, my husband passed in 1950, but I also had some good things happen. You see, studying history and genealogy was my passion outside of the classroom. I started moonlighting with the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, Alabama's oldest public library, collecting papers and information to answer questions about the area's history. This collection grew into what is now the Heritage Room at the library, a resource that is still used today by historical researchers, including those participating in the cemetery stroll. They've even named a branch of the library after me now, the Bessie K. Russell branch. In 1951, I was also present for the first meeting of the Huntsville Historical Society, a group I worked with for many years. I'm credited in many places as Mrs. C.H. Russell, but know that that's me. Annie Chase was there, as was Dr. Frances Roberts. She was the first woman to receive a PhD in history from the University of Alabama, and she helped found UAH. And Sarah Huff Fisk, her research into 1810 Huntsville resulted in much of the information used to create what is now Constitution Hall Park downtown. Both of these women are also responsible for a great deal of the historical knowledge preserved at the public library. 
1980, though, I decided it was time to step down and relax. I moved to Sacramento to be closer to my son, and a year later, in December of 1981, I passed away peacefully at the age of 86. My body was moved back to Huntsville so that I could be buried here in Maple Hill Cemetery near my family and the places I loved so much. It brings me such joy to see my formal pupils here at the Stroll, both as volunteers and attendees, as it means I must have passed along a love of history to you all as well. Lily Flag Signal, a Huntsville history podcast where your host is absolutely exhausted. You see, this episode is airing on a Monday, and it is in part a recap of the Maple Hill Cemetery stroll, which took place this past Sunday, meaning I had less than a day to get the last of the script writing and recording done. What you just heard was my presentation as Bessie Russell, a well-loved teacher, librarian, and historian, and my character at the stroll. If you've lived in Huntsville for any significant amount of time, you've probably heard of Maple Hill Cemetery. It's on the east side of town and is one of Alabama's oldest operating cemeteries, with its first documented burial occurring in 1820, according to the papers which placed it on the National Register of Historic Places in 2012. Every year, the Huntsville Pilgrimage Association hosts a cemetery stroll fundraiser in which over 60 actors dress up as people from Huntsville's past, almost all of whom are buried in Maple Hill. These volunteers all stand near their characters' graves, usually, and relay the story of their lives as visitors strolled cemetery grounds that afternoon. I want to note that, due to segregation, Maple Hill Cemetery excluded all but white patrons until the mid-1960s. Because of this segregation, there's a noticeable disconnect in the demographics of the Maple Hill Cemetery stroll characters compared to the demographics of Huntsville as a whole, as many of these characters are people buried prior to the 60s. Glenwood Cemetery, founded in 1870 and located on Hall Avenue about a block north of Clinton and just west of the parkway, is Huntsville's oldest surviving black cemetery. I have to make the specification of surviving because the downtown Georgia Cemetery, which was demolished and built over during the expansion of Huntsville Hospital, was far older, having been set aside as a burial ground for enslaved people in the area in 1818. There's a historical marker at the site now, on the corner of St. Clair and Madison. While I saw many of you come out this year to the Maple Hill Cemetery stroll and say hi to me while I was portraying Bessie Russell, I hope you also stop by and listen to the stories and triumphs of Black historical figures in Huntsville's history, like Reverend Bartley Harris, as well as some of the other characters you may recognize from other Lily Flag Signal episodes. There are a few other figures in the cemetery stroll that one could call the heavy hitters. They're the ones that get the applause and the big crowds and the name recognition from anyone who's even marginally interested in Huntsville history. That would include Tallulah Bankhead, daughter of Alabama's only ever Speaker of the House, William Bankhead, and a fantastic yet sometimes scandalous actress in the 30s until her death in the 60s. Sally Carter, a teenage girl who supposedly haunts a local mansion and whose grave is called a, quote, closely guarded secret, end quote, in the Stroll brochure. The Black Widow of Hazel Green, who may or may not have killed off six husbands in the 1800s. And of course, Lily Flagg. She's the cow for whom this show is named, and she will be getting her own episode very, very soon. I don't play the big-name characters, though, and that's okay. Despite the times I've taken in Tallulah Bankhead's photo to the hairdresser and asked for a haircut just like hers, and it worked, by the way, I am perfectly happy portraying lesser-known yet incredibly important Huntsvillians. In fact, I get a special sort of joy from jumping around year to year because it means getting to learn new stories and get in-depth research on different women from our city's past. I've previously portrayed Jane Hamilton Childs, who ran what is now Athens State College during the Civil War and is credited with saving it from destruction, and Annie Chase. A little self-promotion here, but if you listen to the Backwards House episode, she'll need no introduction. 
So now let's talk about Bessie Russell, aka the woman I became for a few hours at the cemetery stroll. Usually when one receives a character assignment, they're sent a script. I've taken to fact-checking and doing additional research when receiving these, since that helps me, one, verify the facts, two, add info the previous actor may not have known, and three, be prepared to answer questions the audience may ask after my presentation. This year, however, there was no script. The previous portrayer couldn't find hers, but there was instead a list of facts written up. A few of these seemed to contradict themselves, particularly with regard to dates, but there was a lot to work with and some great starting points. I have to admit, I didn't know who Bessie Russell was prior to learning she'd be my person, so I needed all the help I could get. Thankfully, because she did so much with the historical society in the library, there was no shortage of information on Mrs. Russell. As an aside, there's also a place online that incorrectly says she was born in California. That's not true. Misinformation abounds! Cite your sources! One of the cool things about Bessie Russell and researching her is that not only did I encounter information about her, but I also found things written by her, including notes about Maple Hill Cemetery and its residents, all handwritten. So I added to and tweaked the info provided to me, not even bothering to make a true script. Unlike with this podcast, where I have a script and know all I need to do is just say everything correctly once while recording, this was a talk I'd be giving essentially on loop for dozens of times over the course of two and a half hours. If I knew the facts well, I could fall into a rhythm with the talk better than if I was trying to recite an exact script. I did write a few of the dates on my hand as notes, but I ended up not needing them. As for the costume, I had a pretty wide time frame to work with, since Mrs. Russell taught from the 1920s up until the 1960s, and then remained in Huntsville at the library until the 1980s. There was one rule, though. No pants. A friend of mine, Van Brown, who was actually the one who invited me to participate in the stroll to begin with, and you may have seen him portraying Samuel Moore, Lily Flagg's owner, told me that Mrs. Russell never wore pants because she didn't think she looked good in them. Roger that. I settled on a 20s dress, since Mrs. Russell was my age in the early 1920s. You can see the pictures online on the blog or the show's Instagram, but what's important here is that I didn't take the flapper costume route, but instead went with plaid cotton day dress that I made a few years ago from a 1920s sewing pattern. I had a straw hat cloche as well, with a flower on the side, and this was in part to allow me to pin the purple streak in my hair out of view from the crowd during the stroll. I also had to do some makeup magic to hide my nostril piercing, as Mrs. Russell most definitely did not have one. You'll see a few different approaches to costumes amongst the characters. From talking with the other volunteers this year, there were a few homemade or custom-ordered outfits, but many people said that they ordered all of their things from Amazon. In general, the idea is to capture the spirit of the person in their time period as much as possible. There may be some wigs involved, but no one is having to undergo a full theatrical or movie transformation. The event is outside as well, so weather considerations are important. So, the day of the event. The festivities started at 1.30 with a parade of characters, as we were called one by one in the order listed on the program. Many of the visitors were lined up, taking photos, wearing little gold stickers showing that they had donated to the cemetery preservation efforts. This is, after all, a fundraising event. The money raised goes towards preservation and beautification efforts at the cemetery, such as monument restoration and shade tree planting. Once everyone had paraded by and taken their places beside numbered markers, I was at spot 45, visitors began coming through and the talks began. Something I was absolutely surprised by, and something that has never happened to me in previous years due to the older eras in which my characters lived, is that I had multiple people come up to me to say that they knew Bessie Russell personally. This included her nephew and his son, and one man who remembered her as a, quote, grandmotherly figure, end quote, who taught him in the second grade at East Clinton Elementary in the 60s. She was one of his two favorite teachers. My first reaction upon finding out that people who knew Mrs. Russell would be at the stroll was to gasp and say that it was a lot of pressure. And it was. 
What if I got something wrong? What if I didn't represent her well? None of these people told me prior to hearing my spiel they knew her, so I didn't have a chance to be anxious about it. Also, the more I thought about it, the more I was glad to have the chance to help her memory live on in a way that those who knew her could appreciate. If I did happen to get something wrong, like be off by a year about when she retired or accidentally call something the wrong name, I welcomed the correction. I wanted to do Bessie Russell justice and get the facts right. The accountability was good. Thankfully, no one had any corrections for me, at least not that they said out loud. While it's awesome to get to participate in the stroll as a character, one downside is that I don't get to see the other performers. However, in the gaps between crowds where I was chugging water to help get my voice survive two and a half hours of constant speaking, I got to eavesdrop on my neighbors, Mary Virginia McCormick and Don Mincher. They were awesome. This whole event was an amazing experience, and I want to take a moment to thank everyone involved. I cannot imagine the number of people and the amount of coordination it took to pull this off, especially after a two-year hiatus. You're all fantastic. Thank you. If you'd like to know more about the stroll, check out the Huntsville Pilgrimage Association online at huntsvillepilgrimage.org, as well as their and the Maple Hill Cemetery Stroll Instagram accounts. Of course, I've got all sorts of photos from the event on the podcast Instagram account lilyflag podcast and we'll have more pictures in the show's transcript up on the show's blog at lilyflagpodcast.wordpress.com for the spelling that's l-i-l-y-f-l-a-g-g podcast two g's in flag talk to you next week